If you'd like to, whether it's in your phone or hard copy Bible, I'll be reading the story in just a moment, the Christmas story from Matthew chapter 2. And I want to welcome you to this ministry, and I'm sure there are many people joining us online as well. Uh, My name is Ben Schwederman, and I am blessed, so very blessed to be the pastor of this great church. And, uh, but what I'm more excited to tell you about, more so than myself or even this church or any other church, is the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very excited to tell you about Him. So we'll waste no time and going straight to the Word of God. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We read and it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold... Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I might come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. I'd like to preach for just a few moments this evening a message that we could title, Three Telling Gifts. Now, the storyline of this story is very simple, and hopefully you understood it and followed along clearly. These wise men, they see a star and they begin to follow it. They're seeking this king that was born of the Jewish people. They go first, it sounds like, to the king who was in that land at the time, who was Herod. And they say, where is he who has been born? King of the Jews. And Herod and the other leadership, they got a little worried about this because they didn't like the idea of some king raising up underneath them of the Jewish people. And so we know, obviously, Herod tells them to go and find this baby king. He first gathers together the chief priest and the scribes, and he's trying to figure out from the Jewish understanding in the Old Testament where it is that this king was prophesied to be born. And the scribes and chief priests, they quote from one of the prophets saying he's to be born in Bethlehem. So the king, Herod, sends these wise men saying, go into Bethlehem and find this king. When you've found him, bring back word to me that I also might come and worship him. Now, if you know your Bibles, you know that he was not going to go worship the king. He was trying to figure out where Jesus was so that he could kill him. And being divinely warned in a dream after the wise men had come and presented their gifts before the newborn Savior, 
Being divinely warned in a dream, they didn't return back to the king. They left to their homeland another direction, and they did not return to the king. So hopefully that's the simple storyline that you followed. There's one particular piece of the story that is peculiar. And the thing that's peculiar about this story is the gifts that the wise men gave to that newborn king. Now, so we don't know exactly how old Jesus would have been at this time. Uh, Bible scholars tell us somewhere in the realm of a few months to a few years old. We really don't know. Uh, perhaps they were within the range of how old my children are. I have an almost one-year-old and a three-year-old. And so perhaps he was in that age range. Uh, and what I can tell you is if, if somebody brought to my children gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I would be a little bit perplexed. I'd be just as perplexed if somebody gave knee-high boosts to a penguin. I would not understand why it was that somebody was giving my children these peculiar gifts. So what do these gifts tell us about Jesus? Uh, perhaps some of the gifts that you have waiting for you at home wrapped underneath the Christmas tree are telling about you. Uh, ladies, maybe there's some gifts of perfume or jewelry or something, maybe a gift card to your favorite place to shop. Undoubtedly, if we were to see your gifts, we would be able to know something about you. Uh, guys, same things. If there were some tools or a new hunting rifle or something under the tree that was wrapped for you, if we were to see that gift and know what it was, we would be able to understand something about you. If you have waiting for you at home a gift of wrapped up half a dozen boxer briefs, it means you're a dad and you don't like shopping enough. So guys, hold on. We've got one more day and Christmas is tomorrow. Just hang in there, dads. And... But what do these gifts tell us about Jesus? The first gift that was given, the first that is mentioned, is the gift of gold. Now, we know that gold in those days, as it kind of is seen in these days, a very precious material. And in those days, it was completely customary that when you went before the presence of a king, that you would give a gift of gold. If it was a very rich person that was visiting the king, they would give a costly gold thing to them, a gift of gold, whether it was much gold or very pure gold. If someone was less wealthy, they would still, many times coming before the presence of a king, whatever they could afford, they would bring before the king a gift of gold. And we know that this gold that the wise men gave to Jesus on that day, the day that they came and worshipped before this Jesus, this gold speaks of the kingship of Jesus. We know that they believe that he was a king, and this is not merely speculation. If you look back to verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So you might say, Preacher, how in the world did they know that he was a king? How, how did they know coming from this far land to see this young child and to know that he was a king? Uh, very likely, these men were well-versed in the Old Testament. So it is very likely. I could give you oodles of examples from the Old Testament as to how these men might have known that this Jesus was the King. But I'll give you just a couple so that you understand what I'm saying here. In Isaiah 9, verses 6-7, through 7, 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It was very likely that these three, we always consider them to be three wise men. We don't know how many wise men there were, but of this first gift, of these first three gifts that they give of this gold, it tells us that they knew something of the kingship of Jesus. And it wasn't just them. If you remember back to the story that we read in Matthew chapter 2, You'll know that when Herod was trying to figure out where it was prophesied that this king was to come from, he brings before him the chief priests and the scribes, another group of men who were well-versed in the Old Testament scriptures. And they quote to him Micah chapter 5, verse 2. They say, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So let me just pause right there for a moment. The wise men knew the scriptures. The chief priests and the scribes knew the scriptures. But only one group of men was seeking the king. Only one group of men was recognizing that Jesus is, was, and is the king. And I wonder this evening if you've recognized that Jesus is the king. I wonder if you have crowned him with king with the role, with the status of king. I don't think the kids like this message very much. (laughs) Dear friends, listen to me and listen to me closely. The message that needs to be preached today is that Jesus is the king. The message that needs to be preached lovingly from the pulpit is that most people, and perhaps very likely even most people that consider themselves believers, believe the Scriptures like the chief priests and the scribes did. They understood some things about the Scripture. They could quote it. And perhaps you this evening can quote some Scriptures and you know that Jesus was foretold of in the Old Testament. You know of these things that were foretold of this coming King and that He would be King. But have you sought Him? Have you crowned Him as King as the wise men did? Dear friend, listen to me. Many people do not. And their lives are the testimony that they do not. They know something intellectually of the Scriptures that He is supposed to be this King, but their lives reflect nothing of the fact that He is indeed the King. And can I just tell you, dear friend, that if, you, if that is where you are, you will not experience Christmas as you ought. You cannot experience the full joy of Christmas unless you have crowned Him as King. And much more importantly than that, you will not inherit eternal life if you have believed and trusted in a Jesus that is not the biblical, true, actual actual Jesus that was and is. I'm inviting you this evening. I'm inviting you this Christmas season to crown Him as King. I'm inviting you to give Him your gold. And no, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about reverencing Him as the King and letting your actions prove it that you don't just intellectually believe the Scriptures, but that your life show it by a true, genuine belief in the actual Jesus as expressed in the Word of God. The wise men said, Where is He who has been born King of the Jews? Now, 
Gold was a very telling gift, but it was not the only one. Look at verse 11. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense. Frankincense is the next gift. And this gift of frankincense, it speaks of the deity of Christ. It speaks of the fact that he is God. What is frankincense? Frankincense was one of the ingredients used to make an incense that was used in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, in the temple in the New Testament, and it was only to be used in worship of God. In fact, in Exodus 30, verse 37, it gives us a parameter saying that this kind of incense cannot be used for anything else other than the worship of God. Of God Himself. But as for you, it says in Exodus 30 37, but as for you, the incense which you shall make, you shall not make for yourselves according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. So when these wise men bring before Jesus gold, they were saying without any shadow of a doubt, they were saying that Jesus is king. And when they presented before him frankincense, they were saying without any reservation that he is indeed God. And this is not just speculation. Look at verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Preacher, how in the world did they know? How did they know that he was not just the king, but how did they know that this young child was God in the flesh. How did they know that? Again, just a couple Scripture references from one of many out of the Old Testament. Therefore, this is in Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. And if you know your Bibles well, you'll know that name. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Gold was a telling gift. It tells us that they believed with all their heart that he was a king. And frankincense tells us that they believed that he was indeed God. Now, there are many beliefs about Jesus. The Mormon will tell you something about Jesus, but it does not include him being God, worshiped as God. The Jehovah's Witness will tell you something about Jesus, but it will not include the biblical understanding that he is God and that he ought to be worshiped as God. The Muslim will tell you something about Jesus, but it does not include the actual true biblical picture of who Jesus is, which is that he is indeed God. Now listen to me for all those joining online and everyone listening to me right now. We at New Covenant Community Church unashamedly Boldly, passionately, and irrespective of how politically incorrect it may ever become, we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus is God. He is King. He is God. And if you don't believe or understand or submit yourselves to those scriptural truths, you will experience Christmas like someone experiencing licking an ice cream cone with a sock on their tongue. It will mean nothing, the, the sweetness will not be there. And much more importantly, dear friend, it will not lend itself to you coming and taking hold of eternal life because you've not trusted in the true biblical Jesus as expressed in the Word of God. Gold was a telling gift. 
It tells us that he was a king. Frankincense was a telling gift. It tells us that he was and is God. That the wise men believed those things. And there was one more gift. In verse 11 again, And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh was a bitter herb. What in the world does a child have to do with a bitter herb? In biblical times, you want to know what myrrh was most commonly used for. It was used as an embalming agent. They would use it to make a substance that they would put on dead bodies in the embalming process. What does a child have to do with a bitter herb that has something to do with making embalming material? We understand, dear friends, to this evening that myrrh speaks of his sacrificial death. This king... This God was presented with gold, he was presented with frankincense, and he was presented with myrrh because these wise men knew something of his soon coming in his lifetime, sacrificial death that would take place on behalf of the king's love, God's love for them. Preacher, how did they know that? How could they look at this little child and think that this little child was going to be the sacrificial lamb of God that they thought he was going to be needing this embalming agent, that he was going to need this myrrh? Well, friends, this evening, I don't know exactly what scriptures they were thinking to themselves, but I'll give you a few that I think that they perhaps were thinking about. Perhaps they were thinking about Zechariah 12 through 10 when God said, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. And then you fast forward into the Gospels. What did they do when Jesus was hanging on that cross? They took a spear and they pierced his side. These wise men very likely knew that this baby, young child boy, that he was not only king, that he was not only God, that, that some way in his sacrifice was going to include him being pierced with a spear. And it happened. Perhaps they were thinking of Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, the Bible says. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. They very likely knew that this child king and God was going to be whipped for the sake of them, for the sake of their iniquities. And they set before him this myrrh as an understanding of his sacrificial death. Perhaps it was Isaiah 53 verses 8-9. through for he was cut off from the land of the living, this prophecy says regarding Christ, hundreds and hundreds of years before the time of Christ. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because they had done, and he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. They knew these things of Christ, they understood them. They believed the Scriptures. Perhaps they were considering to themselves Psalm 22, verse 16, when God said, The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. At the scene of the crucifixion, it happened exactly 
the way that the Old Testament foretold of. And church, let me just tell you, time would fail me. I could preach all night long to you of all the examples in the Old Testament that point forward to Christ. They were the foreshadowing of Christ to come, of Christmas to come. I could preach about the ark and how even that big old hunk of wood was a foreshadowing of Christ that to escape the judgment, the rightful judgment of God that you must be on the ark, you must be in Christ. I could preach about the Passover and the way that the blood of the lamb over the doorpost represents the blood of Christ that will make the judgment of God pass over you. I could preach about the bronze serpent in the wilderness that Moses held up and all who looked upon it were kept safe from the judgment of God, the rightful judgment of God from the rebellion of his people. When the wise men gave the gift of gold, they said he is king. When the wise men gave the gold of frankincense, they said he is God. And when they gave the gift of myrrh, they said he will die a sacrificial death for the sake of our iniquities. So in what way, I ask you, are you believing the scriptures tonight? Are you believing the scriptures like that of the scribes and the chief priests? Where you know something intellectually of scripture? Or are you believing it in the way that the wise men did where they have recognized Him as the truthful King, as the truthful God, and as the one who would be sacrificed on behalf of our iniquities, my iniquities, your iniquities. I'm inviting you this Christmas to believe in Jesus and worship Him like the wise men did. To believe the Scriptures like the wise men did. That's what I'm inviting for you. And I know, not as if I just have some thought, but because I also know what the Scripture says about wide being the way that leads to destruction and many being on that path. And Jesus said that narrow is the way that leads to life. Pretty easy. I'm not a math whiz, but that's a pretty easy ratio to figure out, friends. And I know that there are many here. There are many listening online right now. They have believed in a Jesus, but not the biblical one, not the true one. They've believed in the one and the idolatrous one that their mind wanted to believe in, like the, like the idea, the thinking, the false thinking that God is not a judge. That God is not the one who expresses wrath upon rebellion and sin. You've believed in some other kind of Jesus, but with the Jesus that I'm preaching to you, the biblical Jesus is saying, He is indeed the King. Have you worshipped Him as such, dear friend, that He is indeed King? Have you worshipped Him as He is God? Because He is indeed God. Have you trusted in His sacrifice? Have you given your life to Him? Have you repented? Have you turned from sin to trust in the Savior. If you say to me, pastor, preacher, I, I believe in that Jesus. I, I've, I've known some things of Jesus, but I hear of this Jesus that's God. 
I hear of this Jesus that's king. I hear of this Jesus that died to save me, and I must repent and trust and follow. And I want to follow that Jesus this Christmas. I want to experience Christmas and celebrate it truthfully, rightfully, biblically, as it actually happened, as it actually is. That's what I want. to. I want to know the truth. I want to see the truth. I'm turning from my error and my sin and my ways, and I'm trusting alone by faith in the sacrifice of this king, of this God who died to save me because he loves me me. If you say that that's something you want to do, I have a promise for you and not one from me. I'll lie to you, but God won't. God can't. And God's promise to you this night, dear friend, found in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, as many as received Christ, not the false things you've known about Christ, not the things that your mind has liked to believe about Christ, but as many as received King Jesus, God Jesus, sacrificial death for our sins on the cross, that Jesus, you want to believe in that, as many as received that Jesus. But as many as received Him, As many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's the promise of God to you tonight. That if you believe in the true Jesus, if you believe in his name as expressed in scripture and not the idolatrous Jesus that is even preached from all over pulpits, pulpits from all over America. Not that Jesus, the true one, the one that's king, the one that's God, the one that died in your place, dear friend. That Jesus, he will freely and abundantly pardon you. And he'll wash you, though your sins be like scarlet, he'll wash you whiter than snow. And dear friend, you will not only enjoy Christmas, the right way, you will take hold of the eternal life that the Bible says is His will that you take hold of. Would you stand with me as we take the candles that we have with us? And gentlemen, if you would begin to light these for us, we can go ahead and begin doing that now, please. I'd like to challenge you with something, dear friends. I would like for you to see this light. You know that the Bible not only references Jesus as king, which the Bible does reference him as king. The Bible doesn't only reference him as God, which the Bible certainly references him as God. The Bible doesn't only reference him as the Savior, which he indeed is the Savior. The Bible references Christ as the light of the world. So as an exercise for us this evening, as, as the flame is passed around, all of these small lights passed around all over the place, let it be to you a representation that you are receiving the true biblical Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus the light of the world. And if you want to accept that light, hold this light with thanksgiving. Hold this light. Perhaps you've never understood who this Jesus is, and perhaps you do now. 
And you're giving your life to Him as we're meeting this very moment. You're giving your life to Jesus, the true, actual, biblical Jesus that maybe you've never even heard about. Perhaps you've been in a church your whole life and have never actually heard of this true, biblical Jesus that's King, that's God, that's Savior. Let this light to you represent you accepting the light of the world, the true Jesus. Let's sing this song together, and I'm going to steal this from you if I may. Let's sing this song together as we give our hearts to the Lord. Amen.